This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of TKA postoperative inpatient management from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick introduction. Rehabilitation requires a coordinated effort from the orthopedic surgeon, physical therapist, occupational therapist, case manager, nursing staff, as well as the patient and the patient's family. Care can be broken down into different phases, including inpatient management and postoperative anemia. So now let's talk about inpatient management and postoperative anemia in a bit more detail. Starting with inpatient management, in terms of pain management, preoperatively, NSAIDs and opioids are given immediately before the procedure to reduce postoperative pain. Intraoperatively, keep in mind that regional anesthesia, whether spinal and or epidural, is preferred over general anesthesia. Peripheral nerve blocks are useful adjuvants to decrease postoperative pain. And periarticular multimodal drug injections can decrease postoperative pain with minimal risks. Postoperatively, patients are given multimodal oral drug therapy. This is the gold standard and includes opioids, NSAIDs, selective COX-2 inhibitors, gabapentin slash pregabalin, and SNRIs. Opioids are mu agonists leading to neuron hyperpolarization and reduced excitability. NSAIDs inhibit COX-1 and COX-2 and are responsible for inhibition of the inflammatory cascade. Mediators include prostaglandins, thromboxanes, and arachidonic acid. Selective COX-2 inhibitors inhibits transformation of arachidonic acid to prostaglandin precursors. Keep in mind that selective COX-2 inhibitors also minimize GI effects and may inhibit bone healing. Moving on to gabapentin slash pregabalin, these reduce hyperexcitability of voltage-dependent calcium channels in activated neurons. Keep in mind that pregabalin has better oral bioavailability than gabapentin. Finally, moving on to SNRIs, or serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, these are responsible for inhibition of serotonin and noradrenergic reuptake in the central nervous system. Moving on to physical therapy, keep in mind that therapy should start on the day of surgery. This reduces the length of the hospital stay and reduces pain and improves function. In terms of range of motion, let's talk about some requirements. So in terms of the swing phase of gait, patients should have 65 degrees of flexion. In terms of activities of daily living, patients should have 90 degrees of flexion. For stairs, patients should have 95 degrees of flexion. And to rise from a chair, patients should have 105 degrees of flexion. As far as continuous passive motion or CPM machine, these devices may improve early knee flexion. However, they have not been shown to have any long-term benefit. As far as drain placement, drains have not demonstrated any difference in complications or outcomes. Finally, in terms of discharge home criteria, patients should be medically stable. They should have 80 to 90 degrees of active range of motion in knee flexion. They should be able to ambulate 75 to 100 feet, and they should be able to ascend or descend stairs. Finally, let's end this review session talking about postoperative anemia. So postoperative anemia is based on intraoperative blood loss and hemostasis. Keep in mind that earlier discharge to rehab from the hospital is associated with improved outcomes, and the discharge criteria to home is similar to those in the hospital. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 73-year-old undergoes a right cemented total knee arthroplasty. Which of the following statements related to his procedure is most accurate? And the choices are 1. The use of continuous passive motion or CPM postoperatively correlates with early ambulation. 2. Compared to the use of adductor canal blocks, femoral nerve blocks results in superior pain control. 
Three, the use of adductor canal blocks results in earlier postoperative ambulation compared to femoral nerve blocks. Four, adductor canal blocks results in sensory and quadriceps musculature blockade. And five, the use of a longer-acting spinal anesthetic results in earlier ambulation. The correct answer to this question is three, the use of adductor canal blocks results in earlier postoperative ambulation compared to femoral nerve blocks. So this patient underwent a right total knee arthroplasty. And of the listed choices, the most accurate is the fact that the use of an adductor canal blockade results in earlier postoperative ambulation compared to femoral nerve blocks. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, the use of continuous passive motion or CPM devices postoperatively correlates with early ambulation is incorrect as it has not been proven in the literature that the use of CPM postoperatively results in early ambulation. Answer two, compared to the use of adductor canal blocks, femoral nerve blocks results in superior pain control is incorrect as studies comparing adductor canal blocks to femoral nerve blocks have demonstrated equivalent analgesic effects. Answer four, adductor canal blocks results in sensory and quadriceps musculature blockade is incorrect as adductor canal blocks results in a sensory blockade without the quadriceps musculature weakness associated with a femoral nerve block. Finally, answer five, the usage of a longer-acting spinal anesthetic results in earlier ambulation is incorrect, as the use of a longer-acting spinal anesthetic would likely result in delayed ambulation. To quickly review, several regional anesthetic techniques exist for total knee arthroplasty. Adductor canal blocks has been utilized as a promising alternative to femoral nerve blockade, given that it provides primarily sensory blockade without the effects of quadriceps weakness, fall risk, and delayed ambulation, which are associated with femoral nerve blocks. With this technique, the saphenous nerve and the nerve to the vastus medialis are targeted, both of which are distal to the quadriceps motor branches. Kwong et al. investigated whether or not adductor canal blocks is better than femoral nerve blocks in primary total knee arthroplasty. They reported that adductor canal blocks resulted in better quadriceps strength and mobilization ability. They concluded that compared to femoral nerve blocks, adductor canal blocks showed better functional recovery without compromising analgesia, and as such, may be used as an alternative analgesic method for early ambulation. Mudumbai et al. investigated whether patients with continuous adductor canal blocks exhibited decreased opioid consumption and greater total ambulation distance on the first two postoperative days after total knee arthroplasty compared to continuous femoral nerve blocks. They reported that patients undergoing adductor canal blocks walked longer distances during the first two postoperative days. They concluded that adductor canal blocks promote early postoperative ambulation compared to femoral nerve blocks without a reduction in the analgesic effects. Moving on to the next question. You are currently evaluating a 68-year-old woman who has met indications for a total knee arthroplasty. You finally have finished documenting the patient's extensively detailed social and family history. As you finish, the patient tells you that she has spoken with her friends regarding her knee and tells you that she wants a prescription for preoperative physical therapy, would like a drain placed, an order for a cryotherapy device, and use of a patient-controlled analgesia or PCA machine in addition to being mobilized with physical therapy on the day of surgery. As an astute resident, you inform the patient that based on the current AAOS clinical practice guidelines, there is strong evidence against using which of the patient's requests. And the choices are one, preoperative physical therapy, two, drain placement, three, cryotherapy device, four, postoperative day zero mobilization, and five, patient-controlled analgesia. The correct answer to this question is two, drain placement. 
So based on the most recently published AAOS clinical practice guidelines, there is strong evidence to support not using a drain with total knee arthroplasty because there is not any difference in complications or outcomes. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, preoperative physical therapy is incorrect as there is limited evidence to support that supervised exercise before total knee arthroplasty might improve pain and physical function after surgery. Answer three, cryotherapy device is incorrect, as there is moderate evidence to support that the use of cryotherapy devices after TKA does not improve outcomes. Answer four, postoperative day zero mobilization is incorrect, as there is strong evidence to support that rehabilitation started on the day of TKA reduces the length of hospital stay. Also, there is moderate evidence to support that when rehabilitation is started on the day of TKA, there is a reduction in pain and an improvement in function in comparison to starting on postoperative day one. Finally, answer five, patient-controlled analgesia is incorrect as there are not any current recommendations regarding PCA use. To quickly review, the use of a drain was postulated to aid in decreasing postoperative infection, swelling, blood transfusions, hematoma formation, pain, length of hospital stay, and reoperation rates. In addition, their use was meant to improve postoperative range of motion. However, after review of the high and moderate quality studies and with input from the multiple orthopedic and medical societies, there has not been any clear advantage to the use of drains after unilateral total knee arthroplasty when comparing complication profiles and outcomes. McGrory et al. published a systematic review on the surgical management of osteoarthritis of the knee. In an effort to improve the surgical management of patients with osteoarthritis, the authors provide 38 evidence-based recommendations on topics specific to the preoperative, perioperative, and postoperative treatment of such patients. Additionally, each topic was further classified based on the level of evidence available, that is limited, moderate, and strong, to support or not support a given recommendation. McDonald et al. completed a prospective randomized clinical trial using continuous passive motion, or CPM, following total knee arthroplasty. The patients were separated into two separate treatment groups plus a control group. The patients were followed over the course of one year from surgery. Similar to postoperative drain placement following total knee arthroplasty, McDonald et al. were unable to demonstrate any significant difference in outcomes for CPM versus no CPM. And moving on to the next question. Of the following, which has the highest strength of recommendation according to the AAOS clinical practice guidelines for surgical management of osteoarthritis of the knee? And the choices are 1. Preoperative physical therapy improves pain and physical function postoperatively. 2. Tourniquet use during total knee arthroplasty decreases short-term postoperative function. 3. Continuous passive motion or CPM after TKA improves outcomes. 4. Rehabilitation started on the day of TKA reduces length of hospital stay. And 5. Surgical navigation should be used because there is a decrease in pain and functional outcomes. The correct answer to this question is for rehabilitation started on the day of TKA reduces length of hospital stay. So rehabilitation started on the day of total knee arthroplasty decreasing length of stay has been deemed a, quote, strong recommendation by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, preoperative physical therapy improves pain and physical function postoperatively is incorrect as preoperative physical therapy has a limited strength of recommendation with regard to decreased pain and improved function postoperatively. Answer 2, tourniquet use during total knee arthroplasty decreases short-term postoperative function is incorrect as tourniquet use during TKA has a limited strength of recommendation with regard to decreasing postoperative short-term function. Answer 3, continuous passive motion or CPM after TKA improves outcomes is incorrect as a strong recommendation was given to CPM after TKA not improving outcomes. 
Finally, answer five, surgical navigation should be used because there is a decrease in pain and functional outcomes is incorrect as a strong recommendation was given to not use surgical navigation for TKA as there is no difference in outcomes or complications. To quickly review, postoperative management following TKA is an important aspect of achieving an optimal outcome following total knee arthroplasty. The general recommendation is that patients should work with a physical therapist on the day of surgery or as early as possible as it will decrease pain and improve function. Early rehabilitation is felt to also decrease the length of stay. Recommendations against cryotherapy machines and CPM are moderate and strong, respectively, as they do not appear to improve outcomes. McGrory et al. present the AAOS Clinical Practice Guidelines for Surgical Management of Osteoarthritis of the Knee. Strong evidence supports postoperative rehabilitation started on the day of surgery, which has been shown to decrease the length of stay. Moderate evidence supports rehabilitation starting the day of surgery compared to postoperative day one, reduced pain, and improves function. And moving on to the final question. A 62-year-old female undergoes an uncomplicated primary total knee replacement. Her knee range of motion preoperatively was 0 to 135 degrees of flexion. Which of the following is true regarding the immediate postoperative use of a continuous passive motion machine in this patient? And the choices are 1. Reduced risk of venous thromboembolism. 2. No long-term difference in range of motion compared to patients not using CPM. 3. Increased passive knee flexion at 6 months. 4. Increased length of hospitalization. And 5. Decreased risk of surgical site infection. The correct answer to this question is 2. No long-term difference in range of motion compared to patients not using CPM. So the use of a continuous passive motion or CPM machine following primary total knee arthroplasty has not shown any long-term benefits with regards to range of motion. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1. Reduced risk of venous thromboembolism is incorrect as a current meta-analysis has shown there is not enough evidence from available randomized controlled trials to conclude that CPM reduces the risk of venous thromboembolism following total knee arthroplasty. Answer 3. Increased passive knee flexion at 6 months is incorrect as there is no difference in passive range of motion at any time points following total knee arthroplasty. Answer 4. Increased length of hospitalization is incorrect as some studies have shown decreased length of hospitalization in those patients that use a CPM. Finally, answer 5. Decreased risk of surgical site infection is incorrect as CPM has not shown to have any effect on rates of surgical site infections. To quickly review, the concept of CPM was created by Dr. Robert Salter in 1970 and is currently being used in select patients following total knee replacement, ACL reconstruction, and a variety of other procedures about the knee. In theory, the CPM allows for movement of synovial fluid to allow for better diffusion of nutrients into damaged cartilage. Additionally, it has been thought to prevent fibrous scar tissue formation about the joint. While some studies have shown increased early active knee flexion at two weeks, these results were not significant at later follow-up. Controversy exists as to whether these small benefits offset the patient inconvenience and expense of the CPM. Lotke et al. explored the effects of tourniquets and CPM machines in 121 patients undergoing total knee arthroplasty. They found that immediate CPM combined with intraoperative release of the tourniquet increased blood loss. The patients with the least amount of blood loss had the tourniquet released after a compressive dressing was applied and in whom CPM was delayed for a few days. Born et al. perform a meta-analysis on the effectiveness of CPM following total knee arthroplasty. They found the CPM plus physical therapy increased active knee flexion more than physical therapy alone two weeks after surgery with a decreased length of hospitalization. The benefits of increased active knee flexion were not maintained after two weeks. 
That's all for this review about TKA postoperative inpatient management. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.